That's out. Oh, he's, he's got dropped it. it. He's dropped it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball. And the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. I hate grade cricket. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15-year-olds, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you call me champ. <laughs> Just, wow, I have no intro, I have no words, I've just seen possibly the greatest game of cricket that's never involved Australia. England have won the World Cup for the very first time, New Zealand runners-up in back-to-back World Cups. They should have won it multiple times, they didn't, England have won the World Cup. I cannot believe, I cannot believe what's just happened in that game of cricket. I'm joined by Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. Boys, good morning to you. What the fuck just happened? Oh, man. I don't know what happened. 20, 24th of July, 2015, Joffre Archer, uh, whose Twitter timeline has been a kind of well of predictions. He wrote, have you ever you know, ever been so scared you were short of words? Well, that's now. Uh, ha- how are we meant to understand this? Um, New Zealand have lost a World Cup final by count back. Uh, someone wrote on Twitter, that's next level sporting heartbreak. Mm. There were English people all over Twitter just wanting defibrillators for what went on. It's the greatest ever World Cup final, comfortably. People will argue it's the greatest ever ODI. Probably tough to argue that at the moment as well. Uh, but I guess all I want to say is we were right. No. <laughs> uh, congratulations to England, you have to say. They have won it. There's going to be a lot to pour over for us. It's very difficult to avoid cynical reflexes because of uh, grade cricket conditioning, but England have won the World Cup. They've done it. Congratulations. There is an alternative universe that I'm staring into here at 5.52am in Australia where they don't win and New Zealand have won it. It's probably funnier, but England have won it. It is your first reactions to uh, England winning the World Cup. Oh, well, yeah, it's 5.52am. It's I'm tired. I'm emotional. Um, but you're wanting gut reactions. Yeah, as mm. as we just kind of touched on. It's just everything, isn't it? It's just the most unlikeliest result that I've ever seen. I mean, that yes, they were the favourites, but the way that it all played out, that fucking super over. I'm actually just on Wikipedia now in a, in a private tab. It doesn't need to be private, but it is. It's like using that feature. Um, Incognito. And I'm just reading up on the rules because I had no idea what the deal was with the Super Over. It was always talked about. I think, actually, during the run chase, um, Athers kind of brought it up in about the 27th over. I thought, well, that's a bit, that's a bit premature, Athers. But, um, mate, he called it, and we got there. And I'm sure we'll pour over this in detail. But, look, all I'm going to say is New Zealand hit a six in their Super Over. England hit two fours. Six beats four. Super Over six beats four. Shouldn't New Zealand have the World Cup? Everything I've learned about cricket is that six, six, six is the maximum amount of runs you can hit off a ball. 
What the fuck? Oh, it's going to be, it's Cup, gonna be so funny to see the, um, just the narrative after this. I mean, again, let me repeat for those who are, you know, screaming into their earphones. England have won the World Cup. They've done it. But it's extremely tasty to now go after the rules upon which they did. Have to go over the rules. <laughs> Why doesn't it feel right? <laughs> Why, why did New Zealand only lose eight wickets in the match, finishing the same score? So they got to, they got to the same point in the match whilst <laughs> losing less wickets. New Zealand are the 2019 World Cup champions. But here goes: they hit less boundaries combined with the main match and the Super Over, and yes. that's that's how they that's won why. the World Cup because they hit more more boundaries um, during so, the match. Look, I I don't want to go. Listen. I... This is extremely ungracious to go down this path to kick off this uh, you know, final <laughs> World Cup podcast for the great cricketer, but let's do it anyway because we're great cricketers and that's what you do when you lose in a manner. And we say lose because we co-op New Zealand today. But when you lose in a manner that feels unfair, then you go down this path. Um, I think uh, in this match, New Zealand have lost the game several times. And that's obviously hard to put yourself in New Zealand's shoes, back-to-back World Cup finals, biggest occasion, Lords, you know, they're, they're winning the game. Yeah, uh, England needed 34 off the last three overs. Trent Bolt catches Ben Stokes with nine balls to go, steps on the rope. That's costly. Uh, there was a couple of missed run-out opportunities of Ben Stokes. Martin Guttel throws the ball to Tom Latham. The ball ricochets for four in the last over off Stokes's bat. If that was Australia, that would be the greatest fucking thing I've ever Mate. seen in my time. Imagine winning the World Cup like that. True. Imagine just... winning the World Cup with the fucking ricochet <laughs> off the face of your bat. Ben Stokes didn't hit him that well all game. His middle one from was... Martin Guptill from fucking mid-wicket. It's incredible. I know you're fired up. That was... that. I, I felt exactly the same thing when I was watching it. And, and conversely, imagine if... Australia was fielding. Can you just imagine the grimace on Steve Smith's face if, you know, England, you know, strove for the line and it hit the bat and went for four? There'd be fucking histrionics galore. He would not accept that. Even though, yes, again, within the rules, it's okay for the ball to hit the bat and go to the boundary if you're not deliberately putting the bat in line with the ball. But fuck me, it's cheeky. And he's just absolutely middled it. Middled it. As well, it, like it, it's is it is it off the edge of the bat, like no. right off that middle <laughs> spot, or is it off the top? It's off the face, off the face. What a shot! Yeah, that's the greatest shot he'll play in his life. Yeah, and they say he didn't know, and that the commentators were very quick yeah. to say, "Look, he Always. didn't know," and he put he was on his knees, two hands in the mm. air, like he was, uh, you know. Mate, there'll always be questions. Of, what, I a think. cop in the US. There'll always like be questions. Arrested. Mm. I've seen that pose before from Ben. I mean, if I was New Zealand captain, if I was Kane Williamson, I'd be saying, why is no one backing up? You know, standards, lads. Get your throws up. Mm. Um, you know, this is fucking village. That's what I'd be doing. No, nah, but they, they were imagine, nice about it, weren't they? India. I mean, Coley would be changing the rules on the spot. They would have demanded that the next ball be bowled and it be left uh, as compensation. They would have made, they would have made yeah. Trent bowl, bowl the ball and demanded that Ben Stokes leave it for a dot ball to, to balance the, in, the injustice. Uh, and also, the, the rules, if that was India, the rules would change for the next World Cup, and that would actually be a... The, BBCC, be yeah, the BCCI would issue an immediate amendment to the ICC mm. rules of cricket. Yes. Um, but, I mean, I, I think... So, 
we were texting last night around about 10 o'clock Australia time and um, Jesus was tempted to flick, flick over to, um, you know, Silverstone or the tennis mm. where Novak Djokovic has just won his fifth Wimbledon in the fifth set, uh, 13-12. Was that the score, Pest? 13-12 in the fifth set? Yeah. Um, pretty tempting to watch all of that. Uh, instead, we watched um, Henry Nichols go about his work um, <laughs> and we probably watched the worst part of um, the greatest game of cricket ever uh. played. Not involving Australia. Mm. Uh, so, but I mean, it really burst into life, didn't it? I mean, the whole game could be watched in the last probably half an hour of of England's batting innings. Yeah, there was there was this sort of sense watching the World Cup final at the start, and and maybe this is because neither country that you know we, we went from either country, but there was this sense that there was an alternative world where Australia were kind of clad in gold, uh, you know, chesty, aggressive playing against like a, like a rambunctious India, bringing their cacophony of noise, you know, with all of their fans clad in blue, you know, weird signs saying Windia, for example, <laughs> cheering every single and double. But instead, Lords was, um, was grey and quiet mm. and it was a green seamer mm. and New Zealand just started like with such circumspection you know, because they wanted to take the game deep and try and trade on English uh, fear. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember, I was thinking, you know, as they sort of saw out that f- those first 10 overs on the on the green seam, I thought, oh, why didn't they use these overs to bowl to Roy and Bairstow? Mm. You know, in many ways it was like, oh, you know, it, it was a defeatist kind of decision, I thought, um, if, because yeah. I'm not as smart as Kane Williamson. I mean, it just... And, um, and and so it was just it was it was the ninety nine World Cup again even earlier ninety six ninety five you know two forty odd it was fucking uh, and grim, then um, wasn't it it sprung to life it just lacked complete swagger mm. like you're right if Australia and India were playing even the the colours popping off the screens would have been brighter and you know you had two pretty grim looking outfits out there just boring conservatism. I could feel the fans turning off their free-to-wear televisions in droves. <laughs> I always, I always find it funny that that like the the biggest games in English cricket have to be played at Lords because it's the home of cricket. I, I reckon it's like it's not even the best ground. I don't think uh, in in no. England's Lords, but like it, it has to be played there because we always play the big games there. Therefore, it is always there. But like it's funny because England's record there is actually really well. It's actually their least winning ground in England for a start, which is which is interesting. But like I feel like because of the exposure of cricket everywhere except for England, like Lords when I was growing up kind of had this like mystique about like, oh my God, like this is incredible. But now I just, I see it like eight times a year and it's like, I feel like it's slightly less special than what it used to be. Am I right in thinking that? I think so. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. I mean, I'm just, I'm sick of hearing uh, everyone talk about the slope. Oh, fuck me, man. Yeah. I get it. It's yeah. fucking slope. <laughs> yeah. It's got, oh, the ball's got to go up the hill, does it? Oh, Glenn McGrath was good at it. Yeah, we fucking know. I know. Every game that's played here, I hear about it. He was good with the slope. He was good everywhere. He was good at the Gabba. You know, I hear about yeah. talking about the fucking Gabba. Fuck, he was good at the Gabba, though, wasn't he, to be fair? How exciting, <laughs> though, was it for you guys when Liam Plunkett came on bowling cross seam in the middle overs? Like, I know we talked previously about players you can build marketing campaigns around. You couldn't build one around. I mean, not a glossy, high-budget campaign. Yeah. Maybe a micro-campaign, but fuck yeah. me. Yeah, if they hadn't turned off by when, then. When I played grade cricket, um, the guys classified uh, good-looking women um, by 
uh, horse racing groups. Mm. Uh, you know, group group one, group two, group zero was the best you could be. Mm. Um, Liam Plunkett's a group zero. To be fair, he's a, yeah, he's, he, I, I think he's a pretty good looking rooster. Uh, good looking rooster, and, and um, he's okay. And 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 he's taken three wickets in the middle overs there, and mm. knocking over Williamson, mm. uh, if you don't mind. And then, um, but obviously, yeah, I mean, Nichols hung around. Nichols has uh, looked like a hardworking second grader. Yeah, uh, coming up to first grade, mm. didn't quite have the talent. Yep. but um, that was also wrong. Then when yeah, Nichols got out, he was replaced by Latham, who just looks mm. exactly the same. They're the same physically, player, they're the same bats. player. Mm. It's cricket '96. Mm. Just one player yeah. comes out, next one looks exactly the same. Comes in, yeah, yeah. It's just compact left handers, good off the pads, white label, yeah. white label. I thought it was actually uh, interesting a couple of times in this uh, in this game. So, I mean, you think about um, you know India's, for instance. I keep ripping on India, but like their, their reluctance to use DRS and that whole system. Like in the World Cup final. Kane Williamson, New Zealand's best player, probably the, one of the one of the biggest moments of the match is given out or is given not out, caught behind, and then technology overturns it. I think that's actually just a really it's probably it's probably a thing that gets lost because DRS is just a normal part of the game now for for almost every game at the top level anyway. Especially cricket, because I mean, he just smashed it. DRS is not involved in the women's ashes, for instance. But but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it was a it was a really bad decision. But like that's the exact reason why DRS exists, right? I mean, for for those kind of decisions. But then saying that. Just to just to move this on to, I mean, England's batting innings. I thought like it was just such a new ball wicket, and like and the whole game was going to be dictated by the first ten overs of England's batting innings. Fuck me, Jason Roy was absolutely plum first ball off Trent Bolt, given like that by Erasmus, and it was fucking smashing leg stump. Up high is called not out. Uh, didn't cost them. Jason Roy only went out to get seventeen, but um, I don't know. I think my point being that like it, it, it'll get lost, but um, you know, technology and DRS and cricket's actually actually a really good thing uh, because that moment could have cost England massively. Mate, definitely. God, Darmasana sucks, doesn't he? Mm, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Does he? Does he get a decision right? Mm. Uh, in, in any way? I mean, I, I suppose when. When it comes down to it, you know, with with the England innings, it's going to be that partnership between Stokes and Butler mm. you know, that people remember forever, mm. and especially Stokes. Uh, he's just hitting the ball so clean, and he and he managed both of them did, but especially Stokes um, managed to somehow haul England into contention. I mean, I know that they always say, "Oh, you'll catch up with the run rate, you'll catch up with the run rate," but they were, you know, they needed sort of thirty four off eighteen at one point. They needed twenty two off nine. Mm. Uh, and when they when twenty two off nine in a game where it sort of ends up being two forty plays two forty, mm, it's a lot. That's you're you're a lo- you're a long way back there. Mm. And at that was at that moment twenty two off nine when Stokes um, hit the ball to Trent Bolt down at long on maybe wide long on, mm. uh, and um, Bolt takes the catch, and I think that Bolt thinks he's got it, takes a step feels his foot on the rope mm. and just quickly throws it back mm. or underarms it to Guptal, who gives him away straight away. <laughs> I just say, nah, six, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Guptal hates Bolt. Yeah. So that's one thing we found yeah. uh, today. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where, like, if one million other amazing little moments didn't happen, that would be such a huge moment. I mean, I know that it is anyway. But, uh, you know, that, that, that was a piece of precision you know, that players train for, taking mm. catches on the rope. Uh, and, and Bolt has just erred only slightly mm. 
uh, in a manner that just brought England well back into the game. Uh, Edos, I'm, I'm just thinking about there's so many moments in this game. Like, New Zealand, uh, England have absolutely stolen this World Cup. I mean, Pez has just touched on one there when Bolt steps on the rope. Mm. Then into even, like, if the ball doesn't ricochet off the middle of Ben Stokes' bat oh. as he just tucks it away, I mean, that, that, that's, that turns a two into a six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With three balls to go, fairly important uh, in the context of a tied game. And then even in the super over, Joffre Archer bowls the first ball to wide. Jimmy Neesham hits a six. They need three off two, and they fuck that up as well. I mean, you're talking about professional top-level athletes playing a World Cup final. I cannot imagine the tension and, like, the the level of performance needed to execute in those tough moments. But New Zealand have fucked this up. Like, they have actually – they've lost the game. England have burgled it. Yeah, they really did. I mean, when I saw Neesham and Guptill come out, I thought – what the fuck's what's what's going on here? Like, why have they sent Guptill? I mean, I mean, I know he's dynamic, but fuck me, he's been in terrible form. And Nisham, you know, mm. that six or seven, bit of a risk. And then when he popped that second ball for six, just a, a fucking great six, clean, mm. you know, second tier. I just was elated. Obviously, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm half Kiwi by blood. Um, I only <laughs> ever you know mention it when we're in World Cup finals. <laughs> four years sometimes and 18 minutes into this first <laughs> yeah. um, but fuck me you're right there were so many little micro moments that you know journalists will pour over and write about for forever um, it was just one of those games and you know even Archer having the ball that was a big call too um, you know to give it to, to him and, and, and trust him with that and, and, and it didn't look good he bowled a wide first ball and then pump for six second ball but um you know there's like 68 different narratives playing out here um mm. and i'm sure journalists are frantically trying to get them all in by deadline the, mm. actually no there's actually no hitters in new zealand really i mean they got colin de grand home i mean jimmy nation did hit a his highest score in this world cup he got 94 against maybe pakistan um mm. and he, he batted pretty well there but yeah guptal's really their only dasher at the top of the innings but he, as you say he's been terrible form um this innings would be would have been quite good to have them uh come out with uh, Nichols and latham uh just get a very respectable seven off their yeah. super mm. over just Defend just tuck it. around the corner get in behind it mm. uh you know flick flick off the hip uh you know mm. run the first one hard mm. and then yeah then open the bowling with colin two, de grand home mm. Mm. Uh, just keep things tight in the ring just keep <laughs> just two keep short covers tight in the ring nothing gets through you boys um i don't i don't know if we've done this justice uh of like what has happened in this World Cup. It is so remarkable. England, we've maintained throughout the tournament that they are the best team. New Zealand, in my opinion, looking at their squad, one through 11, are probably the fifth or sixth best team. They're definitely the ninth or 10th most interesting. We're still saying it. <laughs> They're the, the, the I, I leaders say, of the world. I thought they'd get... And so this has already been pointed out on Twitter, thanks Jane with a Y, that uh, I, I've probably said four or five matches in a row that New Zealand would get steamrolled by 640 runs. Uh, and they uh, have been a but, bee's penis mate, from winning the World Cup. Well, no, I mean, that, that was, that was going to be my point. Yet they, they should have won the World Cup today. New Zealand should have won the World Cup today, and they didn't. And I can't really understand why, because they weren't, necessarily outplayed I mean Ben Stokes has had just an incredible day but he's had a few of those this World Cup I just the, it, New Zealand were winning it they were going to win Mate. then they mm. didn't win I can't get my head around it he goes you, you, they were just playing the same role they always do New Zealand you know 
respectful, courteous, happy to be underestimated, just going about their business. I think I saw an article um, during the week about, you know, obviously any kind of conversation around New Zealand talks about the population of New Zealand and how they're comparatively small and, you know, apparently their annual revenue is less than Surrey County Cricket Club. Really? Um, I don't know what that says about Surrey. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> old money. I just love old seeing love old money. I just well, I just love seeing organisations with comparatively small revenues defeat bigger organisations with stronger revenues. Mm-hmm. Okay. And whenever I watch a match, I always like to understand the financials of each governing body. <laughs> Is that it? That was going somewhere. No, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I thought you were going to compare us to like Cricket Australia or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, just something that I like doing. Yeah. I mean, it should be. I mean, he goes. England won because this uh, this World Cup's been about England. Yeah, it's been about them. That's right. Um, I mean, the the technical explanation would be that that they really did just have more firepower in the end, even if that is borne out through a strange technical vagary of the law. But mm. uh, but yeah, that, it, it was all this world, whole World Cup was about England, and they did it. Oh. Uh, Man. Fucking, fucking just. It was massive. <laughs> That's to be said. This was the biggest game did. in the history, the modern history of English cricket. And just another yeah. loss would have just, you know, resulted in a collective sigh across the nation. I've got to say, this is like, maybe I'm going the early crow here. One of my greatest fears about England winning overnight was the potential, like, transcendent psychology it might produce as well. In English cricket, so if they were to be able to produce a team, which they've been doing for four years, that just obliterates everybody and is impervious to these notions of pressure, hmm. etc., just because they can score four hundred and fifty, um, I thought, what's going to be the effect if they hoist the World Cup uh, in those circumstances? Are they going to are they going to somehow wriggle free of the idea of being people, <laughs> a, a nation of people who wilt? Um, and though they've won <laughs> today, a bit of that still remains. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll cling to that, and I'm sorry well, to English New Zealand should have won I'm because they hit a six patriotic. in the Super Over. Mm. They should have won because they lost less wickets. They should have won because Ben Stokes cheated. They should have won because Trent Bolt stepped on the rope. <laughs> when catching Ben Stokes, they should have won for a myriad for, for myriad different reasons. Myriad myriad different. They should have won for mm. myriad reasons throughout the game, but they did not. England won the World Cup. Does this mean anything longer term? I mean, what does this mean for the Ashes? I mean, that's that's the next thing which starts in two weeks, which is incredible. I can barely get my head around all these early starts. You know, for, you know. Now I'm thinking about me, what the, what the impact is on this World Cup win for me and the Ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, is this going to be party mode for England? So will it be any impact at all? I don't know, man. Well, they need to celebrate, <laughs> so they'll be they'll be. Wrapped I, I, up with I'm looking forward to covering Australia versus Australia A, the great scrimmage uh, that's going down in a couple of days' time. Uh, you know, this is this is um, this is hoop dreams. This is USA '92 Barcelona, the greatest game no one saw. Is it behind Australia closed Australia. doors completely, or is it being yeah. streamed anywhere? I don't know. It should they sh- it should have full it should have full broadcast. No, I, I actually like that it's completely closeted like i just can't wait for secondhand whispers of flare-ups and tension mm. that's what i'm about mm. i think it's gonna it can this world cup win can only be good for england i'm afraid to say how could it be anything but good 
Who are you guys most happy for in the England team? Because I, I was looking, I was looking at the podium, and I saw that big rare alpha dog Johnny Bear, so hugging Josh oh, Butler, yeah. salad. These salads out. Everyone's wearing a cap, and not 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 Johnny, not right. our Johnny. He's got his got his salad out, and it's looking fantastic. I'm pretty happy for him. Good for him. Mate, really happy for Bearstow. We've we spent a lot of time talking about Bearstow in this cast. Getting mm. nostalgic now, uh, and he's just so hard not to love. Mm. Uh, he'll be, he'll be going absolutely ballistic tonight. <laughs> yeah, he will be. He'll, be. he'll be on an absolute <laughs> ball terror. Yeah. And so he should be. Mm. What a player. If you do uh, come across yeah, Johnny Besto uh, in the UK mm. overnight, please do let us know. Mm. Won't necessarily read it out, but uh, there's been a lot of good stories coming over the last six weeks or so during this World Cup about Johnny Besto, and we, we enjoy reading them, and we're probably going to put him into a, uh, into a segment uh, sooner rather than later. Um, and uh, to the ECB media team, that um, inquiry to have Johnny on the cast still stands uh, and I'll be chasing you up because you know that listen to this cast mm. um, okay well we will try uh, we, we've basically lined up a journalist uh, before uh, the, the end of the game uh, this morning or the, this evening UK time obviously we went to a super over everything's been pushed back deadlines 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 you understand how the media works in 2019 I think um, so if there is no journalist it's because they're all still writing uh, and actually doing their job and not appearing on this podcast um, so that'll be that otherwise uh, we'll be speaking to a journalist right now Hashtag AskTJC, the very last one of this World Cup podcast series. We will be continuing podcasting all through the ashes, but this will be the last one specific to the World Cup. We're not going to talk about the World Cup anymore, uh, which, which may surprise you because some of you would want us to speak about this World Cup victory for another three or four weeks. Um, we won't be doing that. We'll be talking about the ashes next. Um, several good questions have come in. Uh, we've just been flicking through the DMs uh, as Jack Hill, who uh, is going to kick us off this week, rightly says they've been blowing up, but um, this one has caught the eye. Um, look, as good a time as any to remind people that uh, we are be, we'll be heading off to the UK in a couple of weeks' time for our UK tour. Birmingham, Leeds, Manchester, a couple of shows in London, private gig up in Newcastle. We'll be all around the country. We'll be in the UK during the Ashes for the first and second test matches. Uh, so, yeah, get us a beer if you want to come to our live shows. Greatcricketer.club is the way you go about doing that. Can't wait to see you all over there, meet, meet some people, shake some hands, kiss some babies, that kind of stuff. Uh, all right, Jack Hill. G'day lads, no doubt you're receiving an influx of correspondence post-World Cup final. However, after Stokes calling in a few favours from the MCC members with judicial connections to ensure he wouldn't serve a custodial sentence for randomly assaulting members of the public and then deliberately deflecting a throw from the outfield in the final over for four that decided the outcome of the game, has Eagle now usurped Australia of tag of being the most morally reprehensible team in world cricket? Will Stokes now be on the receiving end of similar booing to that of Smith and Warner who conspired to scratch a leather ball? Cheers. Hashtag RCDC. Interesting question you posed there, Jack. Yeah. We actually, we don't normally like vet questions that much, but we, we had a team huddle before this question and agreed that we had collective fear about what we might say about Ben Stokes ahead of <laughs> going to the UK. What I'd like to say about Ben, he's a wonderful player. <laughs> um, just not... On that question, firstly, of just is England now the most morally reprehensible team in world cricket? Now, I understand, I understand that Australia are ugly. Australia are the bad guys. Are we the baddies? You know that meme and all that sort of shit. I get it, um, but you know, like, like England has some form, all the way back to WG Grace putting the bat, you know, just batting again uh, after being given out. You know, there was body line. Uh, mm. You know, there was. Um, both of them on that Q&A show. 
talking about, you know, uh, killing killing uh, wild animals. Yep. Uh, it was Monty Panasar and you know, Mastermind. How was that Panasar morally Ma- reprehensible? <laughs> morally reprehensible performance. You thought Oliver Twist was a season. I'm sorry, I've had enough. Yeah. Uh, CJ Lewis. There, there, there's, you know, there's there's the hundred. I mean, that's morally reprehensible. Yep. And um and and Stokes obviously yeah uh, which is seriously morally reprehensible so I don't know I think it's arguable who's worse oh, and there's also the Bami Army uh so <laughs> but just on but just on Stokes yeah um you know gee it's a clean it's a clean ball isn't yeah. it I think he's a great player. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like I'm missing something I feel like I'm missing something With the Ben Stokes thing I, I, don't, I don't know him I know people who do Apparently, you know, he's just sure he's a nice enough guy Probably a bit loose on the beers Let's be honest um, There's just loads of stuff on Twitter about like You know, the stuff he's been through I'm just so happy for him, you know, he deserves this Like yeah, you <laughs> almost killed a guy. Well, we love redemption stories, don't we? He goes, mm. and you know, there's no greater redemption story, <laughs> um, you know, than someone who was charged with bringing the game into disrepute for an act of mm. violence that was caught on CCTV. Mm. Um, you know, winning the World Cup for his country a matter of months later. So mm. I think it's a wonderful story. Um, I've, you know, but you know, there'll always be an asterisk. See, I reckon like because he was not out. Watching, watching, because <laughs> he got red ink exactly. Um, I, I always think there's uh, watching New Zealand beat India the other night in that semi final and the way they did that. That made me realise what it's like every time Australia play from an opposition. Like that's what that's what it would have felt like because there was just some some sort of like a visceral satisfaction of watching India lose that game. And now I understand <clears throat> how everyone feels about mm. Australia. Reese Muir says, Dear TGC, with New Zealand beating the greatest power in the world in what was the greatest display of intelligent batting of all time by Kane and Taylor, I find myself reflecting on New Zealand's position in the world. This is our second final in the Cricket World Cup in a row to match two consecutive Rugby World Cup victories. Despite this, New Zealand has cashed in for the past decade on a nice guy persona. Brendan McCullum set the tone with his absolutely vapid rhetoric leading up to the Cricket World Cup. The apotheosis of this attitude under BMAC came when New Zealand lost a Test Series 2-0 in Australia and we claimed the moral victory. Since then, our political landscape has followed suit. Under Under Jacinta Ardern, New Zealand has gained a reputation as a kind, responsive government and is under... BMAC, the actual record displays a lack of sincerity in this image. Hamstrung by a conservative coalition, Arden's government has been unable to institute anything but the most facile of reforms in New Zealand's brutal neoliberal landscape, featuring the worst child poverty rates in the OECD, a housing crisis and paralysis in the face of global warming. I look at Kane's team. They are an incredibly boring. They are incredibly boring people who have made us number two in the world. I compare it to Australia, who are clearly in decline, both in cricket and politics, reviled by all, facilitating human rights crisis, Nauru and the ball tampers, respectively. A nation that can't even rely upon its podcasters to get around the boys. Meanwhile, our rugby team has progressed. They are openly cunts, and they continue to win. My question is this: When can I and the New, Ze- and the New Zealand rugby team admit that we are cunts and claim our place as the best? of benevolent colonial sentiment, sentiment in the South Pacific. <clears throat> well, thanks it? for the question, Reese. This, um, you go, Pez. Um, I forget what I was going to say now. Thank, um, thanks for the question, 
Rhys, uh, obviously this question came in before the World Cup final, and I guess to the actual point of the question, um, can you admit you are cunts? And I, 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 I don't feel good saying that word. Um, Why? I said it in the last cast, actually. Oh, because I'm because I'm a cuck. But um, <laughs> well, no, you you can't you can't claim it now because um, Kane Williamson has apparently given some of the most you know beautiful and measured comments um, with his sad face, uh, and that will enshrine New Zealand niceness for at least a decade, uh, if not half a century. Uh, Kane Williamson is the new generation of just mm. just the most beautiful, nice man in New Zealand. So, no, you can't be cunts. Sorry, that's us. It, yeah. Uh, it's interesting, though, to see this kind of response or this kind of this feeling from this New Zealand listener. I was actually having lunch with some relatives the other weekend and we got talking about New Zealand politics, my Kiwi relatives and... You know, the world obviously does see New Zealand as the epitome of progressive politics, but, you know, there's clearly some scepticism creeping in domestically, you know. Can't get much done. Hamstrung by Winston Peters, uh, Deputy PM over there, is just blocking everything. They've got unbelievable optics internationally, New Zealand. You know, the All Blacks Mm. are constantly used by business consultants is the perfect example of a high-performance teamwork, you know, a great metaphor for, for how to conduct business. Um, the Black Caps too. I mean, we obviously like to see New Zealand through this simplistic prism because it's easy. Um, they're nice. It's the same as how England views us through that 1980s Dame Edna caricature. You know, it's fun to frame <laughs> the country's sporting attributes against those outdated stereotypes. It's just fun. Even if they, you know, if New Zealand doesn't feel that way, it won't change the way that they're perceived by us. Anzac biscuits. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Anzac biscuits. <laughs> uh, can I read this one with from uh, um, Ranjit Unethan? Might be uh, a better way to say that. Uh, he writes in, it's, great. it's a great post. Uh, After hearing you moan, in consecutive episodes, he says, about the lack of a market in India for the TGC. I feel compelled to fire back. Though though I no longer live in India these days, I can testify there is a deep enough well of self-loathing in the country of my birth, more than enough for the TGC to take a comfortable swill and move into swankier recording studios sealed from the sounds of crying babies. Ouch. Admittedly, This isn't obvious from the jingoism and Dhoni veneration that make up so much of Indian Twitter, but it's there, a subculture of sorts, acutely embarrassed of the cringeworthy power brokers of the BCCI. Here's the thing, though. A subculture in India can still fill the MCG many times over. So for the sake of the long-term growth of the TGC, and in the hope that future episodes lead you to explore the intersection of cricket, circuits and curry, don't give up on the mother load. (laughs) I like that Ranjit's only feeling free to be able to say this now that he's left India. <laughs> yeah, I, really, I like the I like the the advent of the new the new triple C. That's that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm up for exploring the Indian market. I mean, some of the the savvier cricketers are already tapping that. I mean, Shane Watson has an F45 franchise in Mumbai, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all these Australian cricketers go there and they all speak so highly of India and Indian cricket, you know, Steve Wars all, all over there all the time, Brett Lee, 
like, you know, why can't they? I, I think they. I think they're just trying to get around the boys. The boys there being the BCCI, because that's where that's where the money is. You know, for cricketers. It feels hard. Um, I'll, I'll mix. Sorry, he goes. Hello. No, it's fine, mate. You go on. You go on. Oh, sorry. Uh, it, it feels hard to find the um, that subculture of self-loathers in India. Like, if you are a self-loathing Indian who, um, as Ranjit says, uh, you know, like, what does what he what does he say here? He gets they get away from the jingoism and the Dhoni veneration. Uh, they're acutely embarrassed of the cringeworthy power brokers of the BCCI. If you're one of those people, reach out to us. Get in touch. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and develop this market. Hmm. Um, Dave, you want to read the next one? Yeah, okay. Uh, this one comes from Ben. Hello, boys. I hope this message reaches you well ahead of the Cricket World Cup final and your next podcast. Over the last couple of weeks, I've listened to and read a fair bit of commentary, including from TGC, on New Zealand's increasingly slim chances at this World Cup. I feel compelled to write in and hopefully provide some insight into the Kiwi mindset ahead of Sunday's final at Lords. As I wait for the mighty Black Caps to face the English on Sunday, or also patiently wait for the birth of my next child. The due date happened to coincide with the second day of our semi-final victory over India. We've obviously now gone past that due date, and as I remain to wait patiently at home, my wife is concerned that I will be glued to the TV or my phone when the baby finally makes its entrance into this world. Note, we will be doing a home birth in our lounge where the television is also located. Deep down inside, I genuinely fear that this birth will fail to replicate the excitement levels I reached during our dismantling of India, let alone what I may experience this weekend at the home of sport cricket should I say. It certainly doesn't help that my hormonal wife has zero interest in the sport. This morning I made the crucial mistake of attempting to rationalise my excitement to her in statistical fashion. We are a country of just 4.7 million people with four good cricketers. While this will be the birth of our fourth child, Kane Williamson will lead our proud nation onto Lords in what will be just our second World Cup final. And perhaps dare I say it, our very first World Cup victory. I pray that labour kicks off today, giving me at least 36 hours with a newborn before I am then able to comfortably sit in front of the TV on Sunday night slash Monday morning while my wife manages the night feeds upstairs. All going well, I will nurse a bottle or two of red and then enjoy a day of parental leave on the Monday by sleeping in until noon or 2pm. Thoughts? Getting a lot of ask TGCs from expectant fathers, aren't we? Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys are the, you guys are the dads in the room. Um, and by room, I mean three separate locations where we remotely record this podcast. Um, he hasn't asked a question <laughs> other than just – it's just a statement. And he's just attached thoughts to it, well, which he, is increasingly Obviously, becoming. the context has changed because New Zealand's now lost in agonising fashion the final. Agonising, And yeah. I wonder whether the labour coincided with the increasing tension of this final. And I'm – a little bit concerned and I hope that he sends us a follow-up that mm. everything went okay and, um, mm. you know, mum and bub are doing well. Mm. I, I feel like uh, both the questions that are coming from New Zealand overnight have just stated what we already said in the, in the first answer, the first question. Small nation, you know, we're doing proud, you know, my life is revolving around this cricket event. Um, mm. I don't know. I hope you had some money on Novak, uh, Ben, is all I can say. And, you know, the, the birth went with us well as well. Um, I guess it's really all you can hope for in this in these dark, desperate times for New Zealand cricket. I mean, it makes, it makes a decent point. New Zealand, 
uh, for 4.7 million people. I'm not sure they have four good cricketers. I, I, I honestly don't think they have four good cricketers. They have Kane Williamson. <laughs> it's just Kane Williamson and 10 blokes. Just 10 blokes who Kane Williamson plays with is New Zealand's team. Ross Taylor's okay. He's, he, you know, he's, Ross Taylor's a pretty good player. Mm. Trent Bolt's a good player. That's three. He's a very good player. Jimmy Neesham's funny. He can hit a long ball. Yeah, Jimmy Neesham's funny. Echelon. Yeah. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll read Scott Kyle. Sure. Uh, hey, fellas. He says, uh, I'm an Aussie cricket fan who's been living in Canada for the last 15 years. While my batting expertise extends as far as scoring three ducks en route to my team's Queensland state champs in 2001 and being terrified of facing Michael Nisa in the nets, I still had a decent technique and understood the fundamentals of watching the ball out of the bowler's hand, moving my feet, leaving certain deliveries, etc. My question is this. What are Aussie batsmen being coached these days? It is slightly alarming when you see Stark and Cummins have better technique and look more comfortable at the crease than Maxi Stoinis and Hanscom combined. I submit this is Australia a bowled out for 223 and on to hoping Cummins and Stark can bowl better than Maxi Stoinis and Hanscom combined. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. This, uh, this question leads nicely into the next series, <clears throat> which is coming up. And obviously, the next series is, is the most important series. Uh, the next series happens to be the Ashes, but it leads in nicely. And I think that, um, you know, for years and years, we've been talking about why is there no strength in Australia's batting? You know, we saw Australia get rolled several times by India in the last Australian summer. That was sort of swept under the rug a bit because obviously missing two fairly important players. Um, and then, you know, it kind of all came crashing down again in the World Cup semi-final against England where the seeming ball just undid us. <laughs> Excuse me, again. Uh, no more so than Pete Hanscom, who... It's just bizarre, like that... He, he does so well in Australia and he did so well in the UAE, Pete Hanscom, but like that technique just looks so flawed to me. And like, <laughs> there's just there's multiple ways to get out and very few ways to score. This is the third of iteration of his technique as well, isn't it? Yeah, but it looks exactly the same to me. I don't mm. know what's changed. It's um, like an iPhone update. It's subtle. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean,. We look forward to the Ashes now, but like, have the demons, have we solved any sort of demons at all about like how Australia's going to play the swinging ball? I don't think so. Um, we saw what, you know, Chris Wokes can do. We've, 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 when we've seen Chris Wokes in the past, Australia, he's been playing on the SCG and the MCG, two of the worst wickets in, in cricketing history, in, in cricket anywhere. Flat wickets, kookaburra ball doesn't swing, but we've seen the damage he does with a new ball in England and a seeming Lord's deck, you know, with the slope, because there's a slope at Lord's, goes two and a half metres down <laughs> from left to right as you're looking at the screen, or the other way around, depending on which end the bowl is bowling from. So, I mean, Glenn McGrath was good, that wasn't he? just stood the same up, he just used the slope, real yeah. skill bowler um, that time, and he got nine wickets, or whatever the fuck happened. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's scary. It's scary coming into the Ashes because uh, I think we got a bit of a taste for it in the World Cup semi final. Blokes getting rolled, ball beating the outside edge of the bat, inside edge of the bat. It's scary. But Steve I mean, Smith these though. guys, he goes, they're just products of the system, aren't they? The ball machine system yes. um, that's been governing Australian cricket since the, whenever the fucking AIS happened, late 80s yep. or whatever. Great job. I mean, Bradman literally threw a golf ball against like a piece of corrugated iron or some shit and then hit it with a stump and averaged 99.94. Why aren't mm. we, why don't we just do this? Like, I know it's, it's fucking lo-fi and uncool and, like, what a nerd. I can't believe he actually let people film him doing that. But it was effective. 
Why doesn't that's how you bat? <laughs> was filming him. It's a great point. You know that film of him? <laughs> like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I never thought he was filming I would him, never yeah. let anyone film me, like, honing yeah. my craft at home. It's yeah. Fuck, what a fucking loser. In your darkest hours. Funny, he's, he's, often, he's often in whites at home doing it, too. <laughs> he's definitely one of those blokes who yeah, dresses up in his whites at home and visualises his innings in the fucking laundry or wherever he was batting. Don't you reckon dressing up? We do we do the thing obviously in Tino sympathy where like um, a guy a dad walked in on him shadow batting naked. I reckon shadow batting in whites is way worse because like if you're in your bedroom say and you're naked, well that's just that's just where you can be naked when you're living at home with your parents. This is your place where you get changed, and so you know that can happen. But for you to have put your whites on, you know, and yeah, spikes. Worse. It's the worst. You've you've, yeah. gone, you've gone out of your way. <laughs> you've gone out of your way to to, to put on your whites. Your Was Bradman wearing whites. spikes in that 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 video? Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's got, got his, his spikes. Got his flared pants. He's got his fucking, fucking business nerd. shirt. He's flared. He's <laughs> what a nerd. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up here. Uh, thank you so much to everyone all across the world who has downloaded this podcast and tuned in most days of the week when we've done the show. I think um, we just got a bit of a taste there of the far-reaching nature of this podcast. A couple of questions from New Zealand, one from Canada, Indian fans, and obviously everyone here in Australia and the UK, which we'll be seeing you very soon on our uh, on our tour. Um, so the podcast will return. I presume well, I'll be right in saying the next podcast, lads, will be on Monday morning. Uh, that's, that's probably about right. Um, yeah, the, there's been some clamour for perhaps a, an Ask TGC special mm-hmm. because we just got so many questions that mm-hmm. came in uh, and we were uh, extremely grateful for the people who've taken the time to write them, especially those who put together feature articles, mm-hmm. uh, feature article length yeah. questions um, mm-hmm. that sometimes go to, to literally 1,172 words, um, as one did, but most are around six or 700, which editors will accept these days. Uh, so there might be an Ask TGC special where we can just clear out a whole bunch of questions that have come in. But uh, I think, yeah, he goes, we'll do a couple before yeah. well, the Ashes, because we're off in two weeks. Exactly, we're in, we're in the either way, man, the in Ashes starts in, in two weeks' time. So, um, you know, most people won't care because this uh, this thing just downloads when, when you turn up, uh, when you open your podcast apps and then the show's just there. So um, you just can disregard the last 45 seconds of conversation between the three of us having a business meeting on air once again. Uh, thank you so much, as ever, though, for tuning in. We appreciate it very much, and we'll hear from you very soon. Ian Higgins here signing off for St. Perry in Melbourne and Dave Edwards in Sydney. We'll see you on stage hopefully soon.